0: Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex to be considered before becoming a client of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Securities are offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Annex Wealth Management and HBEC are unaffiliated. This program may contain forward-looking statements which may not come true. Please consult with an advisor about your specific situation. Taking the mystery out of investing with answers to your financial questions. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald from Annex Wealth Management
1: on WTMJ. Team Tech Trust, this is Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. Here we go for Saturday, January 12th. I'm Danny Clayton. There's Mark Oswald and Dirk Felski is here and Dave Spano a little bit later on in the show. Ron Johnson's going to join us. Pros and cons of paying off your mortgage. Good stuff there. Ask Annex is on the way and so is Tom Parks with five ways to take advantage of your 401k but we're going to start off with my lunch with Charlie actually your lunch Dave Spano with Charlie who was that where was it and what was it about?
2: Charlie Evans is the president of the Chicago Fed he was here in Milwaukee making a presentation at the Fister Hotel uh, earlier this week and uh, Derek and I were there to, uh, to listen and there was a lot of things that, w- that we got out of that that we thought might be of importance to the listeners Derek and You know, obviously, we do know the Fed has a dual mandate, which is maximum employment and price stability. We've talked about that for a long time. But there was a number of things that came out of that meeting that you and I looked at each other well and thought, this isn't news. This is something that we've already talked about on the show, and one of those for sure is there are uncertainties, and the Fed is going to react to those uncertainties instead of worrying about the mandate.
3: Well, that's right, and and in fact, Charlie Evans wasn't the only Fed governor out speaking this week. There were any number at at various conferences and symposiums following up on what Jerome Powell said last week, which I think investors felt really good about, the idea that, that that the Fed will be patient, as Mark Oswald put it, and that they will go slow, and they'll monitor the data, which obviously is what I would expect, but for whatever reason over the Christmas holidays, no one seemed to believe that the Fed looked at data anymore, that they were somehow going to be on autopilot, that they were going to tighten until something breaks, and of course, since that time we've seen the S&P rally almost 11% from that Christmas Eve low.
2: And the reason why people thought there was going to be an autopilot is because that came from the Fed, and that certainly spooked the markets, but they were talking about two different things. They weren't talking about particularly raising rates, they were talking about the balance sheet, and I think that deserves some attention.
3: Yeah, the balance sheet, well, this is the first time the Fed has really used their balance sheet to this degree. We got over, their, their balance sheet got to over $4 trillion in assets. They've been rolling it off at about $50 billion a month, and by that I mean when the securities they purchased mature, they're not reinvesting in security. So in some senses, you could say, they're taking liquidity out of the system, out of the, the reserve requirements of the bank. So, so that can have a negative impact, and that is a form of tightening in and of itself, Mark. And no one really knows what the magnitude of that is, which is why, you know, this whole idea of the natural rate and what rate was a natural rate for Fed funds versus inflation was really kind of problematic, not just for us, but also for the Fed governors themselves. Well, I think that's really an important point because
4: this is uncharted territory. You know, the Fed is doing things. When we got to a balance sheet, we were buying bonds, so the at the same time that You've got the Fed who is basically buying bonds from the Treasury, you know, and we're increasing the balance sheet. So, you know, when those things are rolling off, that has an effect because one buyer has left the market, the U.S. government. So what I think was really important from the Fed this week was the idea of listening carefully. And that was the phrase that they used, is that we are listening to the markets, we are listening to the economy. This is continuing to be data dependent, and that's important.
2: And not just the data, guys, but actually the uncertainty that will still exist. You know, we talked about global growth, we've talked about Brexit, we've talked about the trade negotiations and other concerns, and those uncertainties still remain. So it's not just going to be the data, but it's these other events that are really affecting the market, and that's what they're going to look at, not just the data, but this overall uh, information that they're looking at.
3: The good news is about a month ago the Fed was expecting the dot plot suggested three rate hikes in 2019. Subsequent to Powell's comments and the comments this week the Fed fund futures market is now expecting no hikes mark in 2019. And in fact a small possibility of a rate cut at the year end.
4: Isn't that funny that now we're talking about a rate cut potential but you know the other thing when you start talking about the government of course, everybody's aware of the government shutdown and you know the 800,000 federal workers that are not getting paychecks and, and you know there is some thought that that's going to affect the fed but you guys got some comment at your lunch the other day about what that impact really is on the US economy,
2: Well, it wasn't much, but uh, the takeaway that we thought is, you know, we, we did read that, that there may be a rate cut, but that's not coming from the Fed. In fact, uh, Charlie Evans did say he expected 100 basis points higher than where we are right now. So that is going to be something we are clearly going to monitor going forward in 2019 as the uncertainty is going to continue.
1: Dave Spano, uh, Annex Wealth Management. We're going to take a break. Uh, Derek Felski is here as well, along with Mark Oswald. If you get a chance head to our website it's um, it's nice we've we freshened things up and it looks great you can sign up for axiom which is our free weekly newsletter it'll arrive tomorrow in it uh, tomorrow some pretty funny stuff uh, well not funny so much but a 401k horror story section uh, that's interesting stuff Tom parks anchors that in fact he's going to be here with us a little bit later on in the show with a segment called five ways to take advantage of your 401k also in tomorrow's axiom there's a great poll there's a great money to do about estate planning documents that you you need. There's an Ask Annex form and some clips of our radio shows. So again, that's Axiom, which is that free weekly newsletter. You can get that at AnnexWealth.com. It's 1013 on Money Talk at WTMJ.
0: Money tips that don't cost a thing. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald
1: on WTMJ. Team Tech Trust, Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Saturday, July 12th. I'm Danny Clayton. Mark Oswald is here. Derek Felsky and Dave Spano. Uh, as we've heard before on the show, uh, Derek was working on uh, Christmas Eve. You remember how many times yeah, he yeah. Until you know, okay. noon right. is, is what I recall. So, so Chris, we kind of ended the year kind of, it was uh, turbulent. Since then been pretty good. Let's talk about the week that was.
2: Yeah. So, Derek, you know, the S&P has rallied since that low about 11 percent, which is going to be interesting because people are going to start getting their statements that were at the end of the year. But th- the values are going to be higher f- now than where they were at the end of the year.
3: No, they are. And the S&P was up uh, over 2 percent again this week for the th- third w- th- up week in a row. Uh, what I would point out, though, small caps, which obviously lagged last year, have really started the year on a very strong note. The, the Russell 2000 this week was up 5 percent, emerging market Markets continue to perform better, built what I would call a, a fairly strong technical base. Uh, so basically, there's a flight back to risk assets. In fact, in the high-yield market, we sh- saw the sharpest rally in high-yield bonds ever over the last three weeks. So obviously, whatever was going on around Christmas Eve, you know, lack of liquidity, tax loss selling, some big hedge fund had to liquidate. I really don't fully understand what was going on. I thought it was an overreaction at the time. And at this point now, we're starting to get into those levels that some technicians would call resistance, you know, around the 50-day moving average. uh, We're still below the 200-day moving average, 200-day moving average being an expression of a longer-term trend. So earnings season is coming at a very interesting time, given where the market is sitting currently.
2: But before we get into earnings season, I do want to point out that, again, people are going to start getting their statements from whomever their financial provider is in 2018 was not a pleasant year for for the investing public.
3: Right. We were just working on our annual performance uh, letter that we send to all of our clients. And and one of the things that's in there that really blew my mind was in 2018, only 10% of asset classes that we track at Annex finished with a positive return. That was short-term bonds and essentially money market funds. So that
2: 90% percent were down. That's ninth? the first time since something like the early 1900s that we've seen that yeah, kind of roughly, negative yeah, return. Yeah, since
3: rel- roughly when you got in the business. Oh, that's a funny guy. <laughs> should I just not look?
2: No, you have to, You need to look, you hey, You're a compliance tell, tell, guy. Yeah. Ease up. Ease okay, up well, right no, then. seriously. Why, I mean,
1: really, because if I understand the, the ups and downs of the market, should I just, I should
4: look? Well, for sure. I mean, you know, don't put blinders on, right? But it's what do you do about it, right? I mean, if you accept it and say, this happened, this is an anomaly, this was a down year for the S&P 500, but I have a long-term view, whether it's a 10-year view or a 15- or 20- or 30-year view, in those types of time periods, you don't worry about a down year. What you should do, though, is start thinking about risk, is maybe looking at a risk assessment, or a reassessment of your risk. Well, how, did this really bother you? If you look at your portfolio and you're down 10%, well, is that $10,000 or is that $100,000? And if you're down $100,000 and that's really bothering you, then you have to look at it and say, am I in risky investments that I can't sleep at night?
2: But Mark, it is now the time to make a make a change because you said if you had a long-term perspective as long as 30 years, you know a lot of people don't have that perspective. It might be only two or three years and they go, Oh man, what should I have? What what should I be doing now? And I think that's a different conversation, and that's why every one of these conversations that we have with our clients are different. It is, but what is your perspective? What's your tolerance for risk? How much assets do you and do you need out of your portfolio, so on and so forth. And that goes to the planning mentality versus the investing mentality. So the planning mentality is thinking
4: about short-term, intermediate-term, and long-term. So when I talk about a 30-year view, you're talking about long-term money. If your short-term money is at a, a volatile market risk, You've got a portfolio that is potentially not going to support your financial plan. So, if your financial plan is not built so that it has some guarantees in the short term, or some relative guarantees in the short term, some more peace of mind in the intermediate term, and then a long-term view, then you haven't built a solid financial. So
2: plan. So, you're talking. You're talking about, you're talking about you know, what we've uh, what we call the bucket theory. And so that what you're saying is there's some short-term money. If you need, say, let's just pick a number. If you're a listener and you need, say, fifty thousand dollars a year out of your portfolio. You might take $50,000 and set that money aside so you know that it's there and then invest the rest of the money. Is that, is that what you're saying? Sure,
4: and and Derek mentioned before, short-term bond funds did well in 2018. If you shorten up your duration on that bucket of money and you don't have the volatility of, let's say, technology sectors or something else, bio, biomed or biotech or whatever it might be, then you've got something that you can be assured is going to be in your mailbox every month to
3: live on. Well, yeah, and that's the basic premise. By by adding a, a conservative bucket to a portfolio, we've essentially dampened the overall portfolio volatility. But when we're actually sourcing funds out of the account, we're selling assets that typically don't fluctuate that much return a return and and basically we're not selling into a black hole if you will
1: Dirk felsky our chief investment officer at annex wealth management dave spano is here and mark oswald will continue on the show uh, up next pros and cons of paying off your mortgage is is that a good idea is that a bad idea ron johnson of our planning team will take a look at that uh, Location-wise, we got a bunch. Elm Grove, Mequon, Lake Country, Appleton, downtown, our newest location inside the Pfister Hotel. And since you're listening on WTMJ with this big signal, anywhere that you can hear this radio station, we can deal with you remotely via, via something called Annex Everywhere. It's just that easy, and you can start at AnnexWealth.com.
0: From simple investments to stock advice, back to Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on
1: WTMJ. Team Tech Trust, and hey, we're going to talk about paying off a mortgage and why that makes sense and maybe why that might not make sense. Joining me is Ron Johnson, Senior Financial Planner and CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Danny. Hey, the ballpark figure I've seen is about 64% of Americans own a home. So owning a home typically means having a mortgage, and a mortgage is typically the largest debt a consumer will have. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. Yeah, that's a big, big loan that you're getting. What do you think when you see different different people say that, yeah, you got to pay it off.
5: Yeah. You know, when you think about it, psychologically, it's, it's a powerful thing to go take your mortgage in the backyard and have the burning party and say, I did it. And that's pretty cool. But I think there's some more important things that you should address first. Good. Let's go over those. Yeah. So the most important thing is retirement. The tax code gives us a lot of tax shelters that we can use that can save you a lot of money in the long run when you save for retirement. The first and most important is your 401k. Right? I think that you should prioritize contributing to your 401k rather than taking excess cash flow and put it to your mortgage. Here's why. First of all, when you put in your 401k, you defer taxes now and you pay them later. The goal being later in retirement, you have a lower tax bracket. Sometimes you can save as much as 10% on your taxes by doing that. Also, interest rates are at lows. A lot of this advice is old advice from the 80s and the 70s. When you pay 12, 14, 15% a year on your mortgage, right? When you're paying that kind of interest, absolutely, you should make a priority to get it paid off? Is the house to be considered an investment? You know, that's a great question. I don't f- see it that way, to be honest with you. I see a house as really an efficient expense, right? No matter what you do, where you go, you're going to have to an expense to put a roof over your head. Now, I think a house is a very efficient way to do that, because at some point, you're going to pay off that debt and just have your property taxes. Whereas when you rent your rent's going to go up every year, right? Even though it might be slightly less than a mortgage payment now. So I, I look at it as an expense. I think that's something you'll always have. Uh, but you, al- you always need to have a roof over your head. Ron
1: Johnson is a senior financial planner and CFP at Annex Wealth Management. And he says, first things first, right? Yep. Get that 401k taken care of. And what if you can do both at once? You know, there's that school of thought where people are like, you know, the Dave Ramsey thing, eat beans and rice and kind of you right. know, live like a pauper and, and pay that extra money. What if you make one or two extra mortgage payments a year? That That's one of the things that people do.
5: Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's great advice. That's one of the things I do actually personally is just add a little extra to the payment because we have a little, we're fortunate and we have a little extra cash flow each month that we can do that, right? And making sure that it goes to the principal. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, I will tell you though that I think more important than if you have some excess cash flow, more important to put it against a mortgage would first make sure you have that emergency savings account in place. And I'll tell you why. If you were to lose your job, Danny, your mortgage payment, even if you've been paying ahead on it, is still there and still required to be paid every month. So you need that emergency savings account in place. So if you lose your job, you can make that mortgage payment for the next three to six months. So you've got to have that in place first. And then if you have excess cash flow, start putting it against the principal. And I think that's sound advice, but do it in that order. You know, Traditionally, they start with a 30-year, then they maybe move to a 15-year. Uh, any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, if you move to a 15-year, typically you're doing that because you're reducing your interest rate in exchange for a larger payment. But right now we're in a rising rate environment. So you may refinance your 30-year mortgage into a 15-year that's got the same rate or maybe even slightly higher than what you had before. So it really doesn't make sense. Most mortgage payments do not have a prepayment penalty, Danny. So what you can do is just simply pay ahead on it, and you can accomplish the same thing as a 15-year mortgage by keeping your mortgage the same. Is there a rule of thumb that says that people should have a house paid off or not have a mortgage in retirement? Well, that's ideal. But... If you have to carry a mortgage into retirement, it's not the worst thing in the world. The last thing we want to see people do is decide, okay, now I'm retired. I can't have this debt anymore. And guess what? They go to their 401k or their IRA. Mm. They make a huge withdrawal and they pay it off. Well, the debt's gone, but you just created a nice little tax bomb for yourself. And we would never advise our clients ever to do that, no. but yet people do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen it happen. And we've seen clients come in here and say, I, I'm, I'm ready to retire. I want to pay off my mortgage. And we explain to them why that's probably not the best idea. Now, you certainly can continue to pay ahead on it. And we manage that with uh, use some tax planning. But, uh, yeah, it usually doesn't make sense unless you've got a a big tax-free pile that you can use.
1: Ron Johnson, Senior Financial Planner and CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you for coming in. It's always good. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks, Danny. He is part of the uh, big uh, planning team that we have at Annex Wealth Management. So when we say get that free portfolio analysis, uh, that team looks things over and presents uh, your options, and that is totally complimentary, and you can start at AnnexWealth.com
0: get professional help with your portfolio this is money talk with dave spano and mark oswald on wtmj
1: team tech trust this is money talk annex wealth management we're back and it's time for ask annex you can submit a question at annexwealth.com slash ask derek i think these are for you peter says i hear you mentioned the 200 day average what exactly
3: is that and why does it matter well, it, it's an expression of, of a longer-term trend. And and the idea that you know if a, if a stock or an ETF is up trading above the 200-day moving average, it's in an uptrend. And if it's below the 200-day moving average, it's a downtrend. Now, I've done all sorts of – statistical studies of this. And and the interesting thing about it is that in a bear market, it does put you on the right side. Basically, you're out of stocks, you're in cash, you might be in treasuries, but but it also can whip you around a little bit. So I always sort of look at the 200-day moving average in the context of, of what I'm hearing fundamentally, um, you know, what other sectors of the market are doing, and, and so on. Because ultimately, 200-day moving average is a lagging indicator in a sense because it takes a long time for it to, to evolve and during a periods where you're below the 200 day moving average Dave you can actually have Some of the sharpest advances during any kind of that you ever see during a bull market.
2: So a technical indicator is just one of the things that we do look at. We sure we look at it. We do look at fundamentals, but I am always concerned by certain groups who look at just technical indicators, look just at the graphs because you can get whipsawed. And I hope if you're listening to this right now that you're not one of those folks because you can get whipsawed if you just
3: look at the data. I will give you a great example. There's a firm that trades sectors off the two day moving average. So they take all 11 sectors and they basically will buy only the sectors that are above the 200 day moving average. So if all 11 sectors are above the 200, they'll buy all 11. If only two are above the 200 day moving average, they'll only put 25% into each of those two and raise 50% cash. I do not have to tell you that at the beginning of the year. They are suffering very, very severely (laughs) because the two sectors they own are down and every other sector they don't own is up.
2: So the you know, smartest guy in the room always gets uh, beat, but you saw all of these hedge funds this past year close down because that's exactly what they were trying to do. I've never seen so many hedge funds close.
3: Well, I think that was part of the problem we had with the market really in the fourth quarter is there were, I think, 150 hedge fund closures, and when, when you're closing... You know, I, I hate to say traders don't care, but I have a feeling, you know, when you're, you know, you've given up on your hedge fund, you probably don't care so much about what price you get selling the, the, the stocks you hold. And I think that contributed a lot to the market weakness we saw post the midterm In, elections. Exactly. And it's
2: going into the end of the year. OK, lightning round. OK,
1: Danny. let's see if lightning round it is. And this one comes from Tom. Mr. Felsky, what's more important to you when assessing market conditions, the VIX the fear and greed index
3: well i kind of like this question because because he says mr Felson. well as dave mentioned you don't want to depend on any single indicator now the vix is a measure of option premiums the higher it is the more willing people are to buy protection so typically the vix goes up when those premiums go up which which go up because people are looking for insurance right on the downside the fear and greed index has the vix as one of its six components but it also looks at put call ratios it looks at advancing declining volume it looks at the relative performance of stocks versus bonds so i think you'd get a much broader base view and as i mentioned last week you know on christmas eve the fear and greed index got to two which is the lowest number i have ever seen on that indicator Uh, so you know i felt pretty comfortable that we were going to get a bounce i had no idea we'd have the sharpest bounce that we've seen since 2009 but it certainly validates the idea that fear and greed is something you should pay attention to
1: money talk annex wealth management that is ask annex
0: Time is money. Make the most of yours with Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald
1: on WTMJ. Team Tech Trust, Annex Wealth Management. A new year is a great time to assess your financial plan, and for many, a 401k is the basis. If you have one, there are things you should do regularly to take advantage. Now, for those of you who are seasoned savers and investors, we've designed this segment to be shareable with your kids or your family, and it's five ways to take full advantage of your 401k. And joining me is Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Good to see you. Welcome back. Well, let's run through the checklist of things to keep an eye on with four hundred and one k's. Number one, enroll in a plan. I mean, that seems pretty simple.
6: Yeah, these these steps are are good sequence. You cannot. It's kind of like the lottery. You got to be in it to win it, right? So, the first step is to get into the plan and. It depends on where you work, when you become eligible to participate. And let's say you've been working at a place for three or four years and you haven't been in the 401K. Well, you're probably eligible to be in it. Then the question becomes, when can you jump back in? A lot of places let you go in on a payroll basis. Other times it's monthly, sometimes it's quarterly. So just find out when you can get in, start there. Do people still have a choice to not be in it? Yeah, automatic enrollment is being adopted more and more. So automatic enrollment means once you become eligible to participate in your plan, your employer basically just starts taking money out of your paycheck unless you tell them not to. So there are different things with automatic enrollment you know how much are they taking out and those are all things that you want to know usually it's going to go in pre-tax so if you're one of those people who has Roth 401k and you want to do that well then you're gonna have to go in and make that modification yourself but automatic enrollment is something that's increasing with plans uh, throughout the country.
1: And it used to be with the automatic enrollment you'd c- kind of get dumped into well almost a money market fund right and it's it's better now.
6: That has changed yeah most plans if there is automatic enrollment you are enrolled into a target date fund so it's a fully asset-allocated fund based on your age, the risk tolerance changes as you get older. But even in cases where it's not a target date fund, you're usually going to be in some sort of mix and blend of stocks and bonds. Some sort of better than a money market. Yes, exactly. For sure. Number two is automate your contributions. That's kind of a pay yourself first thing. There are some rules of thumb about the amount that you should put into a 401k plan. People say somewhere between 10 and 15% of your pay. That's a big chunk for a lot of people. And I try to be careful when we're talking with our clients about that. You don't want to just give them such a big number that they throw their hands up in frustration and say, forget it altogether. So, my general rule of thumb is if the amount that you're putting into the plan does not hurt at least a little, you're not doing enough. So, start there and then work your way up to that 10 or 15% over time. If it takes you five years to get there, that's fine. It's better than nothing.
1: Number three is invest wisely. And that's knowing which funds you're in, or at least picking the right ones or getting somebody that
6: knows to kind of give you the guidance. Right, exactly. So the investment portion, obviously, once money goes into the plan, they need to put it somewhere and they're going to put it into an investment. So having a basic understanding of how investments work is important. And then deciding where you're going to put your money. We always tell people somebody needs to be managing your money. Either you need to do it or you need to find somebody else to do it. And that's where those target date funds come in pretty handy for people who are not comfortable with investing. They know they want to save, but they don't really want to think about it. Those are an option. And then obviously when we're working with our clients, we'll sit down with people one-on-one and say, okay, what's your personal situation? How can we take greatest advantage of this plan for you personally? The clients that we work with all have access to really good stuff. I mean, the market is there for people, so there's no reason for you not to have a good bunch of options from which to choose. Then it's just a matter of trying to figure out which ones are going to use for yourself. This is 5 Ways to Take Full Advantage of Your 401K with Tom Parks,
1: Director of Retirement Plan Services at Annex Wealth Management. Number 4, the automatic
6: bump-up. If you are the kind of person who is going to forget about the amount that you're putting into the plan, almost all of the providers now... Have a function on their website where you say, okay, I'm going to put away 4%, but I know I really should be putting away 10. There is going to be an option where you can go say every six months or every year, I want you to bump that up by 1% or 2%, and then you can put a cap on it too. Say, okay, once I get to 10, then stop bumping it up. If you're going in and you're, you're doing less than that 10 to 15%, but you know you do want to get there tell the system to just start taking it at intervals automatically. Worst case scenario, you can go back in later on and change it yourself. Um, But at least that way, you're on a program. Number five, reassess and rebalance as needed. Yeah, and this is something that you should do both with your contribution amount, so how much is coming out of your paycheck, as well as where the money is being invested. Now, if you are in a target date fund and you're just the kind of person who likes that sort of investment, then that reassessment and rebalance kind of happens automatically for you. Still not a bad idea, to go back in every couple of years and take a look and just make sure. Because things change, investments in the plan change over time. This is a huge nest egg for most people. This is their largest source of retirement income. It's the kind of thing you should be spending a few minutes on at least every couple of years to make sure that it's running properly. We
1: talked about employer-sponsored plans, and that's what you do. It's, it's really a, a benefit for any employer and the employee. And there's a real shootout right now to find and hire and
6: retain great employees. So that's important for companies. How do we help companies? In most cases, the plans are already set up. So we go in and we take a look at who are the players, are the investments in good shape, is the provider, the record keeper, you know, one that you want to have, is the pricing where it should be, is it structured how it should be, all that stuff. For people who do not yet have one, we are able to help people set up a 401k plan as well. It's just every scenario is different. So we go through, it's a lot like personal financial advising. We go through an assessment, we take a look at, you know, what does your workforce look like? what's available to you, what is going to make the most sense from a numbers perspective, and then we help people set it up. And then it's really digging in with the employees. I think that's what sets us apart more uh, than any of our peers is being able to sit down with your employees. There is a huge percentage, lots of studies out there that say that employees expect their employers to help them with their finances. Well, we do that for them. Obviously, if you're running the the shop or the store or whatever, you shouldn't be helping your employees with their investments, but they're expecting you to. So our clients bring us in and we, we fill that void, obviously, as prudent experts in the investment advisory business.
1: Five ways to take full advantage of your 401k. Tom Parks is the Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Thank you, man. Thank you. Uh, Tom Parks, by the way, is going to be, uh, I don't want to call him the star, but the uh, uh, he's going to be featured in tomorrow's Axiom, which is our weekly newsletter from Annex Wealth Management. In it, a pretty interesting segment called 401k Horror Stories. So you definitely want to catch that. And if you're not signed up for Axiom, that's absolutely free. You do not have to be a client of Annex Wealth Management to do that. You can do that at AnnexWealth.com. In fact, that is your landing spot for just about anything if you want to deal uh with a company that is a fiduciary right that operates in your best interest uh team tech trust we talk about that all the time but annexwealth.com is the website and that is where you can sign up for the free portfolio analysis and also axiom which is our weekly newsletter dave spano Derek felsky mark oswald next it is money talk annex wealth management
0: Don't settle for less. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ.
1: Team Tech Trust Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Saturday the 12th at Danny Clayton. There's Mark Oswald and Derek Felski hanging out. And Dave Spano, I kind of knocked us off track a little bit earlier, but earning season right around the corner. Derek, is this something you anticipate? Is this, this is not like spring training for a, um, a baseball fan, right? This just rolls around, here
3: it comes? Well, here it comes, and I, and I actually... Do look forward to it. I mean, it affects our, you know, tactical thoughts with, with regard to the management of our portfolios. It certainly affects our equity income strategy because many of the companies that um, that we own are going to be reporting the fir- in the next several weeks. I mean, next week's sort of a light week for earnings. It's featured primarily with the uh, money center banks, but the bulk of earnings season is two weeks from now. And the one thing that I'm, I'm hopefully, I'm a little bit optimistic about is the bar has been significantly lowered in the last month or so. Earnings estimates have come down. Some we. Heard some negative news from the likes of Apple and Kohl's and Macy's, Activ- and Activision as well. But General Motors on Friday, for example, had lifted guidance, and the stock really fired to the upside. So, earnings season is a, a time of volatility. It's a time where we can kind of recalibrate our expectations concerning corporate fundamentals, the strength of the economy and the like. But Danny, the real answer to your question is the key that I focus on is is earnings guidance. You know, where where do these companies think earnings are going to go over the next few quarters? And with trade uncertainty, it's going to be real easy for companies to to, to issue very conservative guidance because they just don't know how the trade issue is going to play out. So to draw some context, Derek, I mean, look back at 2018
4: and earnings growth in the last year. So we had Peak earnings growth, when you start talking about 20% growth on earnings, those numbers are astronomical historically. So when you start thinking about this year, earnings growth is going to be a little bit more muted. It's maybe 6 to 10% is what the number I'm seeing right now.
2: M- muted compared to 20%. That's right.
4: I mean, and that's the contrast that you have to draw. You have to draw that comparison because... You can't get used to 20% earnings growth, I mean, no, right?
2: Because, because usually, if you look at the long-term measurement of a portfolio return, it's something like earnings growth plus the dividend yield. Today, the S&P 500 pays 2%. Well, obviously, we're not going to average 22%.
3: That's a ridiculous comment. Well, that's right. GDP, since World War II, has grown at about 6% nominal. S&P earnings have grown at 6% nominal. Then you add in the two, and that's, that's how you get that 8% long-term expected return from equities. So you get that recency buy-ins, right? You
4: look at 2018 and you say, mm-hmm. is this what we should be expecting going forward? And I think that's what I'm trying to get to, is if we have 6% earnings growth, that's still not bad growth. It means companies are still
2: making more money and stocks should continue to go forward. It's the long-term average of 6%. And the other thing that's on the long-term average right now is the price-to-earnings ratio. Derek, we saw
3: it, it did get reset a little bit here in the fourth quarter, but we're right back to average. No, and I remember we did the analysis on, on Christmas Eve. I, I wasn't the only one here. Dave was actually here as well. I don't know where Mark was. Well, we <laughs> When we were trading at 2350 on the S&P 500, we, we basically assumed, okay, let's assume zero earnings growth for 2019, right? Right now, the analysts, as Mark mentioned, are estimated about a 7% number for 2019. But at that zero earnings growth, that the PE multiple on the S&P 500 was 14.5 times, which is a below average multiple. And multiples are somewhat elevated by low interest rates. We had a below average multiple over the last 20 years and below average interest rates. So clearly that day, the market was overshooting the downside, discounting a lot of negative news that may or may not occur. So with all this information that's coming out right now, whether it's the Fed we started
4: out the show with, inflation was a muted number this month, with all that information that an investor gets and trying to digest all that information, everything that our investment committee does, now is January, right? We're sitting here on January 12th, and we have to look forward and say, what are we going to do in 2019 that's different for Investors, should we be making changes to our portfolio? Should we be rebalancing? What sectors are we going to be tactical in in 2019? And if you don't know the answers to that, For yourself or for your family, it's a great time for a portfolio review. It's an opportunity to take an inventory of what you own and ask the question of what do we own, why do we own it, what place does it have in our portfolio, and more importantly, what place does it have in our financial plan. If you haven't had that portfolio review done recently or you have never had that portfolio review done Take advantage of that opportunity. We offer a complimentary, it's a painless process. You bring your information in, we'll digest it for you. We'll sit down with you, go over the analysis, provide you with a framework for a financial plan, and it's a great start to 2019.
1: That's Mark Oswald, Annex Wealth Management, Dave Spano. Thank you very much. And Derek Felske, our Chief Investment Officer. That is Money Talk for this week, but... If you would like that free portfolio analysis, and um, so many times people will say, hey, it's absolutely free. No, there's no obligation on this, and we're not trying to get our hooks into you. We're just trying to kind of demonstrate, know the difference. There is a difference in financial advisors. Annex Wealth Management, a fiduciary for sure. So you can start at AnnexWealth.com. Sign up for that free portfolio analysis. Uh, Branch-wise, we got a bunch. Elm Grove, Mequon, Lake Country. We are in Appleton. We're in downtown with our newest branch, which is inside the Pfister. It is a beautiful location. And also, if you can hear us, and again, we're on WTMJ with this big signal. You can uh, deal with us with uh, Annex Everywhere, and that is very simple screen-sharing technology, incredibly secure. So, again, Annex Everywhere. AnnexWealth.com is the website, 262 Have a great week, folks. Advice and opinions expressed during Money
0: Talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management, and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC.